0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video or online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church! Woo! Welcome to second week of revival, you guys. I've just been so expectant of what God's gonna do in this place. And I think it's so important to remember like when we are coming back to Him and when we're coming back to that firm place knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who he is to us. It is so important to, that's what you go back to. That's what you can always rely on. And he is going to speak that truth to you this morning. I just believe it and I proclaim it. Let's pray to him together. Jesus, God, we want a new revelation of who you are. In Jesus' name. God, maybe there's some people in this room this morning that have never met you, that have never heard about you, but God, that they feel something different here, that they feel your presence here. And God, for those of us who have known you for a while, God, we need you. We need you when the world around us is shaking. God, we want your joy. We want your peace that doesn't make sense. And we wanna come back to you right now in the name of Jesus. So we just invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. Have you know that we messed up? We are sorry. We are coming back to you.
1: Christ is my firm foundation.
2: speak, confusion fades, just a word, and suddenly I'm not afraid, cause you speak, and freedom reigns, there is hope, in every single word you say, I don't want to miss one word, you speak because everything you say is life to me
3: presence of God in this place. <laughs> it is so thick and tangible. You can feel it. We thank you, Jesus. before in greater measure you will do again because there's no prison wall you can't breathe through no mountain you can't move all things are possible and there's no Sim for filling this place with your presence, Lord God. We thank you for the overflow that you're giving us in this place, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for hearts being healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on and give somebody a high five and say, God is good. And make your way back to your seats.
4: online with us let me be the first to say welcome we want to be able to hear from you so type in the chats across all our platforms engage with us during service we'd love to be able to see also where you're tuning in from now if you consider yourself a guest or visitor whether you're online or here in person we want to hear from you as well so get your smartphone out and text the word fellowship to ninety-four thousand. as soon as you do that you get in contact with us as a staff an invitation to the guest reception we want to be able to hear your story and show you all the different opportunities here at fellowship church Now, if you're in person here and you are a guest or visitor, let me be the first to say, welcome. Thank you so much for visiting us today. We'd love to hear your story. So drop by the info center, fill out a little form. We'll give you a gift bag as well as a specialty drink from the coffee shop. You matter, we wanna be able to connect with you. We're gonna continue the worship of our great God by the giving of tithes and offerings. There's a lot of different ways to give here at Fellowship Church. You can scan this code on the screen, however you wanna do that. It's great to be able to see how your gifts impact our ministries on a week-to-week basis as well as our community. So thank you so much for your generosity and how you continue to help us build this amazing thing that God is doing within our community. So for all of us, whether you're in financial need or not, I want to be able to pray a prayer of blessing over all of our gifts and offerings today. Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you for being provider. Thank you for being a God that cares about the smallest things and the biggest things in our world. So Father, I pray that for every single person that's in financial need or stress during this season, lay your hand a blessing on them, God. For the gifts and the offerings that are coming in, I pray that you know, they're returned and your promises test you in this and, and you'll, you'll come through. And So Father, I pray that God, that you can pour out your blessings on our people that need it. And Jesus, I pray that as they see those, that they can see you more clearly in their lives. So thank you, God, for providing. Thank you for that portion of who you are. God, that every single person through giving can experience not only generosity and a generous heart, but your presence around them this week. Lord, thank you so much in your heavenly name. Amen. Fellowship Church is now on the Bible app. We'd love to be able to connect with you on a really cool platform on any smartphone or device. The YouVersion Bible app is used by so many. There's different Bible plans, all the different translations of the Bible on there. And if you choose Fellowship Church as your church, you're able to connect with us throughout the week as well. We feature a plan on there. you also be able to see who else has chosen Fellowship Church as their church. It's another way that we can steward community and connection within our church body. So if you scan this code or just go to you Version Bible app in the search bar, type in Fellowship Church, you should be able to see our profile there and select us as your church. We'd love to connect with you on there. Baptism is such a special moment in so many of our walks with Christ. And as I look back in my life and my baptism, It was something that means a lot to me in knowing that Jesus is not only Lord and Savior, but publicly declaring that. It's something amazing. I can look back and see how Christ really smiled on that moment for me. Now, public declaration of our faith, that's all that baptism is. And on October 23rd, Fellowship Church, we're doing our baptism services in between our nine and 11 o'clock in 4640. And there's plenty of room. So if you're feeling called or led to be able to do this, sign up on the Church Center app. As we move toward that place, you'll find Jesus meeting you in that spot because as Jesus was baptized as well, we get to honor him in that sacred symbol. A lot of us are already in week one or two of emotionally healthy spirituality. I hope it's been blessing you as it's blessed us as a staff and even me in my personal life. A day by day devotional has brought so much fruit in meeting with God in regular times throughout the day. Well, if you're still interested in doing Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and you have a group of people ready to go through it, stop by the Info Center. We'd love to sign your group up and you can start on your way down this road. But we're gonna continually offer uh, this curriculum throughout the rest of the year. So if something is still interests you, it's not too late to sign up. And if you haven't found a small group yet, again, stop by our Next Steps counter. We'd love to be able to walk with you through that or fill out that life group form on the Church Center app. Either way, if you're doing it or if you wanna do it in the future, we're excited to see what God's gonna do. During this time. To stay updated with all things fellowship, you can always visit fellowshipgj.com/slash events. Enjoy the rest of today's service. Take me back
3: to the place that feels like home to the people I
5: Well, good morning. So good to see you all today. JL speaking today, not me, I'm next week, but she's on today. But I had to get up here and just uh, tell you a little bit about her and what's happening. 24 years ago, a 19 year old girl interned here at Fellowship Church from Green Bay, Wisconsin. She was a cheese head. <laughs> she literally wore a cheese head. It's true. In staff meetings. Was Brett Favre, were you a Brett Favre fan back then or was that before Brett Favre? Oh, yes. No,
6: Brett Favre.
5: Yeah, that's a problem. Anyway, so, and interns come and go here. And internship is for, it doesn't really matter to me how much Bible college you've had, you can get Bible college. It's wonderful. It doesn't mean you're cut up for full-time ministry and it doesn't mean you have people skills or that you love people or that you can cut it at all when it comes to the different demonic attacks that's going to come onto your life. So internship kind of lets us know, is this person somebody that we want to keep and invest in, or we'll let move on down the road and call it part of their education. Well, the staff started coming to me and saying, you've got to meet and get to know this person named JL. And I said, well, okay, I I can do that. And more staff came, and more staff came. Finally, we offered her a job position at the age of 20, and her dad moved her here to a place far away from she knew anyone else uh, to be here completely on her own. And her dad met with me and her dad said, Pastor Hooper, I want to ask you a question. If I let my daughter, my only daughter, come across the country and be here, will you make sure she's safe? And I looked her dad in the eye and I said, my wife and I will treat her as if she's our own daughter. She won't need anything. We'll make sure she is completely protected. And he hugged my neck and he said, thank you. From that day forward, we began to know J.L. Ann and I did truly turn into from just a promise to her dad of truly loving her like a daughter. She is incredibly smart. She is a woman that absolutely is passionate about her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. She's a person that absolutely is passionate about helping other people uh, know a relationship with the Lord and helping our staff grow. One of the things that JL does that maybe many of you do not know is a gifted leader. She also mentors the rest of our teaching team. So every person on the bottom there actually worked in her department, and they were gifted teachers, but she mentored them and coaches them along that they might be even better. Twenty years ago, I saw the wisdom in this young lady at that time. Not anymore, but back there. (laughs) You know, when she was 20, I'm talking about 20. But anyway, I, uh, I used her as my research assistant. Things that I couldn't remember, which are a lot, and things that I don't know much about. I would say, would you research that for me? And all of her research would be thorough. It would always be accurate when she turned it back into me. She is an incredible, gifted communicator, creative when it comes to the word of God. And I tell my pastor friends all over the country, when you see JL speaking on our platform, don't change the channel. Hear her, because she is one of the best of the best. Have I said everything you wrote down for me to say?
6: <laughs> I did not research that. That was, that was must have been Anna. She well, likes me. I
5: also want to let you know that in the 33 years history of Fellowship Church, the most important role that we have uh, that leads our staff is the executive pastor. There is only one person that's ever held the role of executive pastor, and that was Tim Roseberry. And last week, as you know, we promoted him to co-pastor of the church. And this week, we are promoting Pastor J.L. as the executive pastor (laughs) of Fellowship Church. Listen, I could not be more proud of you. I mean that. I love you. you. you One more thing you guys need to know before I go. She has tested out again and again as a 40 point <laughs> choleric. That's just sick.
6: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's hard to speak after. All right, so last Sunday, hopefully you were here, but if you weren't, I want to challenge you to get the podcast, listen online, do what you have to do. It was such a special moment in Fellowship Church history, and our media team documented and kind of caught some of those special moments. I want to share a couple with you. This first one is the one that kind of went viral. We put this up on social media. You can see the big hug. There's Pastor and Tim. It was so special. But um, at first I didn't notice this. I kind of had to zoom in a little little bit to sort of see like what was going on on the front row there like oh my gourd Rocky why are you doing that (laughs) there there is so many things like at first glance maybe you missed it so I thought What else was happening last Sunday that maybe people didn't catch? So here's a great shot of worship, really powerful. The Holy Spirit was just really moving. And then I zoomed in a little bit and I saw off to the side, I don't know if you can see that, Pastor Hooper and Pastor Tim, I don't know what they're doing. Um, That got a little weird last week. And um, then later, Pastor Tim was speaking as a powerful message, um, talking about why he loves Fellowship Church, kind of talking about the vision of fellowship, where we're headed, connecting unconnected to Jesus Christ, together growing in for devotion of him. So powerful. But what surprised me in that moment was what was Pastor Hooper doing? Like as you're kind of looking at, I don't know if you can see him over there, but I, I really thought he hated cats. Like I don't know where that came from, but last week was just, there was so much happening behind the scenes um, in those moments, but Cat Dad, wow, that that one really surprised me. But sometimes if you zoom in, you'll see something that you missed the first time. You'll look at a picture, you think, oh, I know what's going on, but if you just zoom in, you'll see something that you missed the first time. The gospels are full of moments like this where Jesus and the disciples are kind of walking through the countryside and the disciples just blow right past someone. But Jesus stops and he sees that person and he takes time for them. He took time to bless the children. He took time to answer the man on the side of the road, born blind, calling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus took time. He took time for the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus zooms in and sees individual people. That's truth number one. Jesus zooms in and sees individual people. He had a way of truly seeing them, seeing their hurts, seeing their stories, and letting them know he cared. And as a result, more and more, people kept coming to Jesus. Our main text for this morning is Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Let's pause here. No one wants to receive a letter from the IRS. That is not on anyone's goal list for the year. But in Jesus' day, Tax collectors were truly despised. They were they were hated. This is what the picture was. The Romans were, had conquered the nation of Israel and they were brutal, they were cruel and oppressive. And the way that they collected taxes is they would go into that community and they would hire a local. Someone from among the conquered people and they would follow that person and they would... Empower him to collect taxes, and there was a minimum threshold that that person was supposed to collect, and anything above that, he got to keep. And so they encouraged any method by which you might collect taxes. Any method, so coercion, lying, stealing, manipulation, control, violence, all of these were acceptable measures of collecting taxes. And so the Romans... Recruited these people, and once they were recruited, those tax collectors could never again be accepted by their community. They were now considered irredeemable traitors to their people, and no one would ever engage with them again. Until Jesus. And Jesus saw a tax collector, and he cared. And then the verse says, tax collectors and sinners. So what is this? mean when it says sinners, because who among us is without sin? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, and that's true. And so these people that are coming, that are gathering around Jesus, they're broken, they're struggling, they're hurting, they're people with leprosy, people who are blind or deaf, people whose children are desperately Ill. These are the people disillusioned and disappointed with life that are coming around Jesus. And it's easy for the religious people to want to crop these people out of the picture. They don't, they don't, they want to judge the tax collector and the sinner. And these religious leaders had a way of trying to crop them out. But Jesus had a way of zooming in on the very people that Jesus, Jesus zoomed in on the very people the religious wanted to crop out. They didn't fit into their religious picture of what they thought church or what they thought religion should be, and so they cropped him out. Anyone that didn't look like them, vote like them, have the same skin color as them, anyone who didn't think like them, these religious people wanted them out. But Jesus wanted them in. And that's one of the things I love about Fellowship Church. Anyone who wants to come, come. Anyone who's hurting, broken, frustrated, anyone who's going through something, we don't have to be perfect to come to Fellowship Church. We just come because Jesus invites us to come. That's one of the things I love so much about us. Truth number two, Jesus refuses to crop out anyone who wants to come. Verse two, the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And the word welcomes is weird here. The word welcomes means enthusiastically welcomes them, like an open-armed hug. Not like a reluctant greeting, not like a begrudging engagement. Like he literally welcomes them. And in the original language, it has to do with welcoming within the context of family. And the picture that comes to my mind is when I had first gone away to college, and my parents had dropped me off in August, and now it is Thanksgiving, and I hadn't been home in between. But for Thanksgiving v- break, I bummed a ride off a doormate, and I got to a Green Bay, and they dropped me off at the front door. And to be honest, I was still in my pajamas, okay? We left early, my hair was a hot mess. I'm dragging a suitcase, and I'm carrying the most possible dirty laundry that I could fit into the basket I had because it's free at mom's house, right? And so I'm coming up to the door, and I'm opening the screen door, and I'm just like, this rolling hot disaster, pounding on the door, locked out of the house, and what I remember was how I was welcome home that day. My parents did not care at all about the pile of dirty laundry and the hot mess in her PJs in the middle of the day by the time we got there. They just welcomed me home and brought me in to the family, and that's the context of this word. So the religious people, they're watching Jesus welcome these messy people. Like a father would welcome a daughter coming back home. And they aren't sure what to do with that. So Jesus, but he, he has this vision for all the people. He has a vision and he zooms in and he sees the son or the daughter instead of the sinner. He zooms in and he sees the, the loss instead of the sin. And so instead of seeing a tax collector like everyone else in his generation saw... He saw the story behind the tax collector. Like, why, why would this son of Israel work for Rome? He saw the story. He saw, well, gosh, this was the third born son. And when his father died, the firstborn son got all of the property in the house. And the secondborn son, well, he had been lucky enough to be apprenticed out. And so he developed a trade. But this thirdborn son had nothing when his father died. And so he had fallen in love with a young girl from the village. And they married. And now she's pregnant. And he's looking at his life. And he's looking at his wife. And he's thinking, how am I going to provide For my family. And so this son says, Well, man, things would just be easier if I had a little more money. And that's when Rome comes in and is looking for a local tax collector. And so the the boy thinks to himself, the young man, as he stares into the eyes of his newborn son, how am I going to provide? And so he agrees and he becomes a tax collector for Rome. And very soon, there's no path back. There's no way to get rid of that job and quit and go do something else in the village because now all he is is a tax collector. And no one sees him until Jesus And then he sees Jesus and then Jesus sees him and says, that's not a tax collector, that's a son. And Jesus zooms in and sees a son. And Jesus doesn't just see a sinner when he looks at you and me, he sees sons and he sees daughters. And when he looks around and he sees the crabby old man that lives next door, he doesn't just see the crabby old man, he sees a tired, forgotten, lonely old man. And he doesn't just see the single mom who's stressed and always running late and behind. He sees a woman with a broken heart that's just desperately trying to hang on for her kids. And he doesn't just see the waitress that messed up the order and is so slow in bringing the lunch. He sees a person that's trying to dig out of debt. Who's just trying to make things happen for their family. He doesn't just see the difficult coworker. He sees the man who wonders, who's frustrated and just kind of trying to sort out if his life even has any meaning at all. And so Jesus constantly has this habit of, of zooming in and seeing the picture, seeing the son, seeing the daughter and understanding and listening for their story. One of the coolest moments that happens throughout the gospels is where Jesus is interacting with a person and he suddenly calls them son. Or he suddenly calls them daughter and they don't even expect it. Truth number three, Jesus zooms in and loves the real me. Flaws and all. As a parent, I understand this. I understand the willingness to do anything to protect a son, to protect a daughter, anything to help them, anything to shield them, anything to welcome them. And that is how God sees you and I. There are billions of people on this planet, yet he takes time to see just us, just the son, just the daughter. St. Augustine says he loves you as though there is only one of you. He loves each of you as though there is only one of you. That's how deeply he loves. And the religious leaders of that era, they didn't didn't understand that. That's not how they saw people. And so Jesus wants to train them and like reframe the thinking. Especially for Christ followers in generations to come. Because he wants us to see people the way he sees people. And so he tells a story in verse 3. It says, then he told them a story, verse 4. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Well, to be honest, I don't know. I've never had a sheep and I wouldn't want a sheep. And so I have the benefit of knowing the end of the story. But if I didn't know the end of the story and Jesus asked me that question, I would be like, I mean, you had a hundred, you lost one. Is it really a big deal? Um, Just don't worry about it. Probably one wandered in when you weren't looking, and the one wandered out. I mean, does it matter? Um, But Jesus asked this question. His original audience—they probably knew. They probably all knew exactly what would happen for the shepherd who lost the one sheep. But, but we don't really know. In those days, a a flock of sheep, a flock of sheep, a herd of sheep, herd. No, see, when I hear flock, I think birds. Is it it a flock? A a group of sheep, okay? A large group of sheep in that day was 20 to 30 sheep. 20 to 30 sheep. So Jesus is picking a number here that's deliberately extravagant. 20 to 30 sheep was a wealthy shepherd, but Jesus says 100 sheep. He picks a number three, four, five times the, the number that's expected to a large group. And he says, what if that large of a flock it loses one sheep well then do we really have to care about that one he's trying to get us to see that no matter how big or how many there are that there's still this cause for concern about the one so verse four he continues wouldn't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and go search for the one until he finds it Jesus is saying, yes, yes, of course, this is what he would do. He would go after the one, the one that is his, the one that belongs, the one that matters to him. The one has value. When I was a teenager, my brother and I went on a trip with 40 other teenagers and a handful of leaders from Wisconsin to Colorado. It was my first time ever in this state and quite frankly, I hated it. And you'll understand at the end of the story why I said I will never go back to Colorado again. But we were Catholic, and the Pope had called for the youth of the world to gather in Denver for a service with him. And so our parents put us on this bus, and we went to Denver. And we were flatlanders, and okay? we were woefully uneducated about things of, of, like, high altitude. The highest point, in case you're wondering, in the state of Wisconsin, 540 feet. So we had no clue, okay. We get to Denver, and it was July. It was hot. Um, so many people got altitude sickness, dehydration, all kinds of things because we just didn't know. And one of the things that we did in this trip is we were to hike 10 miles through Metro Denver to Cherry Creek Park. And when we arrived there, there were going to be the youth of the world gathering. There was, they were planning on 1 million youth. And we were gonna gather there, and then the Pope was gonna fly in on a helicopter and do a special service. And we were gonna camp overnight, and then around noon the next day, this service was gonna happen. And so my brother's there, my best friend is there, it's like this supposed to be this big moment. And as we're hiking through Denver, it's hot, it's July, it's like 100 degrees. And we flatlanders think to ourselves, why would we need our jackets or sweatshirts? Let's just leave these in these nice people's front lawn. And we don't, need, we don't need our sleeping bags. It's only one night. Who cares? We're hot and we're carrying all this gear. Let's just leave it here. And so when we get to Cherry Creek Park our, um, of our group of 40, we have like two sleeping bags among us and no jackets of any kind. And we arrive late because we were sick of walking. And when we got there, one million swelled to three million. And so we're now packed into this park literally like sardines. There's not enough facilities, there is not enough water, there's not enough food, and sun is setting and we've walked 10 miles. And we're just there and we're supposed to camp. And so my friends and I with our group leaders, we're just like huddled together. There's not even really a way to lay down. We're just huddled in this position through the cold, cold night into the dawn. As the sun's coming up, the heat is rising and all of these bodies are just kind of stuck together with no food and no water. Well, the Pope flies in in the helicopter, and I remember this moment so clearly. I'm standing there, and on one side is my brother, Luke, and on the other side is my best friend in high school. And within a minute, both of them pass out. And my best friend passes out and comes to right away, but my brother remains unconscious. And there's people everywhere. And so our group leader does not know what to do. We splash the small amount of water we have on my brother to try to wake him up. Nothing's working. So they suggest take off his boots, his socks, his shirt. Maybe that will cool him off. So I'm standing there holding his shirt and and shoes and his glasses and his wallet. But he's not coming to. So the group leader takes my brother like a sack of potatoes, throws him over his shoulder and, and walks off toward the medical tent. And the the big celebration service is happening on this jumble screen. But I'm like, where's my brother? And about an hour later, the worker, the leader of our group, comes back without Luke. And he's standing there. And I go... (laughs) Hey, um, you know, my bro- where is Luke? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I got to the medical tent and there was thousands of people there and they took him and they put him in an ambulance with 10 or 12 other kids. And there were no ad- extra spots for, s- for chaperones and they just said, we're taking him to the hospital, find him later. And so this is in 1993, so there's no cell phones that anyone has. And the group leader just shrugs his shoulders. And I'm like, wait a second, my brother is lost in Denver, a city we've never been. With no food, no water, he's unconscious. I'm holding his shirt and his shoes and his wallet, and he can hardly see without his glasses. Like, this is an emergency to me, and everyone else continues as if it's very normal. We go back to our campground and the group leaders are packing up our tents and coolers and loading the bus. 24 hours has now passed and my brother is nowhere to be found. And I'm sitting on a picnic table crying and trying to figure out what do I how do I fix this? How do I help my brother who is lost by himself in this city? And the group wants to go. Like, that's the end of the trip. We're now going to head back to Wisconsin. And for them, it was just another day. But for me, it was all-consuming. It's easy to ignore the one if they don't belong to you. But when it's your brother, your son, your daughter, when the someone who's in need is yours, you feel this responsibility. And the Bible is telling us that this is how Jesus wants us to see each one. So back to the shepherd who left the 99 to search for the one, it says, verse 5, and when he found it, he will joyfully carry it back on his shoulders. Doesn't beat it with a stick till it gets back to the flock herd. It just, he, he joyfully, and then in verse 6, when he arrives, he will call together his family and friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. Won't the other people say like, listen man, you're already at 99, do we really have to celebrate this one? Yes, we do because this one is someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's brother. In the same way, verse 7, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 who are righteous and have never strayed away. So after nearly 36 hours of being lost alone in Denver, there I am sitting on the picnic table and the entire group is now loaded on the bus. All of our gear, everything. If you know me, you know that I'm a very stubborn, strong-willed human being, 40-point cleric as Pastor mentioned. And so I am on the picnic table at 16 and I refuse to leave. And the group leaders are trying to, you know, reason with me about why I should get on this bus and go back to Wisconsin without my brother. And I am just dug in. I'm like, there is no way you are going to load me on the bus. I'm like demanding justice. I'm like, I insist on call. I appeal to call my dad. Like, this is ridiculous. And in this moment, the office of our little KOA campground receives a phone call. And it's from a priest that has found Luke. In downtown Denver with no shoes, no shirt, no glasses, no wallet. And brought him to the Swedish medical center where we borrow a car and go get him. And I remember that feeling still 20 some years later. I remember that feeling in my soul of my brother was lost but now he is found. And the heart of Jesus towards every lost, hurting and broken person is the same. And the heart of Fellowship Church is that same way. We want to see brothers and sisters, sons and daughters coming home to the Father. And for that to happen, Christ followers have to begin to see them as Jesus sees them. Is there someone in your life right now that needs to be seen by you? Is there someone in your life right now that Jesus is saying, you have to, you need to reach out to that person. Maybe you know right away. Maybe you need to take a little time to think and pray about who that is. But Jesus is calling each of us to represent him to that person. And that's the fourth truth. The fourth truth is Jesus calls us to zoom in on the brother who needs our help. And maybe it's the senior adult in the neighborhood that just needs a little extra help. Or maybe it's the coworker who's struggling with the divorce and just needs an ear. Or maybe it's the person that received a devastating diagnosis and they need a meal and some compassion. Or maybe it's the stranger at the store who's flustered and overwhelmed and just needs a kind word or maybe a whispered prayer. I know a guy who looked around the church and realized that some people he used to know weren't here anymore. And so he took out pen and paper and he wrote a list and he came up with four people that he personally knew that he hadn't seen in a while. Maybe they've, they got out of the habit over the pandemic. Maybe their family calendar just got packed and things got busy. Maybe their work schedule changed. He wasn't sure. So he decided, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to text them. And so he texts them, I haven't seen you for a while, how can I pray for you Really care about you. And he decided he was going to do that every week. And he did. And within four weeks, all four of those families were back coming to church. And the Bible says it this way in James 5. It says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and some, someone should bring that person back. So we're in this series, right, Sunday Morning Revival. We're zooming in on the fact that Sunday mornings are significant. We're zooming in on the fact that we have a responsibility to find and love the one person that's broken. We're zooming in on the fact that we need to invite people to come to church with us. And last week, Pastor Tim gave a statistic that's just irked me all week long. He said that research shows that one, that only one in 100 Christians has shared their faith at all. In any way for the last year. Only one in 100 people has said to anyone, can I pray with you? We come to church with me. I care about what's happening. Can I tell you about my Jesus? Only one. And I think as I thought all week long, like why, why is that? That only one in 100 people would, would do that. I think the reason is that when we look at our lives, we see our failures. And we see our shortcomings. And we feel unworthy. We know our neighbors heard us yell at the kids and they know we're a hot mess. And we know our coworkers saw us roll our eye at the colleagues so they know we're a mess. And, and our extended family, well, they knew us when. And so because of this guilt, we feel like we can't talk about Jesus. We feel like inadequate that the failures that we've done in our lives have muted our voices. And we count ourselves as disqualified from talking about him. There was a season a few years ago in my life, my husband Lavelle and I um, were foster parents, and we had five children, five and under. Four in diapers, and one was a three pound, six ounce, preemie baby boy. And the doctor said he must eat every two hours around the clock, no matter what. And one of the kids just woke up for the day at 4 a.m. every day. Did not matter. So no one in our house was sleeping. And I would try to spend time and have a quiet time with God. And I remember laying the tiny infant on my chest and my Bible on my lap. And I was holding the bottle with formula. And I would be feeding him in the middle of the night or the middle of the day. And I would just be falling asleep. And my heart was not connecting with God. And that separation began to grow. And as that separation grew, I realized I was timid. I wasn't confident in ministering or sharing or talking. Meanwhile, I'm still preaching and teaching and pastoring. But I feel incredibly unworthy to be doing it. Because my heart, it felt like everyone wanted a piece of it. And I had no pieces left to give. And eventually, I used my busyness as an excuse. Because somewhere in that process, my heart became a little bit hard. And what I love about Jesus, back in verse 2 of our main text... Luke 15-2, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that sinner, that sinner is me. Jesus welcomes me. Jesus invites me to his table, no matter where I've been and no matter what I've done. And we're going to conclude this morning's service by taking communion. And on your way in, you probably received the elements. And if you didn't, if you could lift up your hand and get the attention of an usher, they can assist you. But... Jesus invites each one of us to come to his table no matter where we've been or what we've done. Revelation chapter 3 says, look, Jesus is speaking, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And Jesus knew at this season in his life, he knew what he was giving up, he knew what Was going to be required of him. It wasn't a surprise to him when he was arrested and betrayed. He actually predicted it. In John 10, it says, Jesus is talking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run because he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. So Jesus knew that he was literally there to sacrifice his life for the sheep, to lay it all down for you and for I so that we could spend eternity with God in heaven. And when he was gathered in that upper room the day before he was arrested and betrayed and falsely accused and beaten and ultimately crucified, all the people in that room with him, sinners just like me, Judas among them. And Jesus said, the word says in 1 Corinthians that when we get ready for this moment to celebrate communion together, we should always give pause. And we should always search ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11 says, this is why you examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. If you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Jesus, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So this is that moment where we pause. Where each person in the room thinks in the privacy of their heart, is there anything in me that's displeasing to God? Is there anything that I've said or done this week that oh man, it's causing some separation between me and Jesus is there anything, a habit or an addiction that I need to talk to the Lord about or maybe you're here and you've never even thought about Jesus in this way and even to you Jesus says come to my table sit and eat you don't have to have it all figured out he just invites us to come And if you've identified something in your own heart that's just amiss, it's wrong, it's a funk between you and God, you simply whisper a prayer to Him, you talk to Him about it, you explain what happened, you apologize, you own it, you ask Him to help you change. That's what we're doing in the privacy of our hearts right now. And if in your heart you realize you never took a moment... You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and be the Lord and leader of your life. You can simply do that right now too. You just say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I make you the Lord and leader of my life. You're my God from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Bible says, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the loaf of bread. And after giving thanks for it, he broke it. And this was to be a symbol of his body, that his body was about to be broken for each one of us. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me as often as you gather, as often as you celebrate. Remember this. Remember that I willingly laid down my life for you because I loved you, because I couldn't stand the thought of all eternity without you. And so we get ready to take the bread together and we say, Jesus, thank you so much. For the blood that you gave us that you allowed your body to be broken on our behalf we receive it and we receive you in our lives in fullness in Jesus name, amen let's eat the bread together and the Bible says in the same way after dinner he took the cup and he said this cup represents the new covenant between God and man and every time you drink it, remember that I shed my blood on your behalf, sealing this covenant. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the Bible says. With the shedding of blood, we can receive wholeness in our minds, in our body, and our soul. And when Jesus went through that, he knew all of that. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down. I know my life is about to be poured out for the sheep of the flock to bring them all home. And so... Jesus, we thank you for your blood and for what it represents. We thank you that you willingly spilled your blood so we could be whole. And we ask for wholeness right now in our minds, in our bodies, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships. Bring wholeness to us. And thank you for being willing to shed your blood on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's stand. And sing together. the good shepherd led back and now he commissions us he says go out into the community and find your sons and your daughters your brothers and your sisters and tell them to come home god bless you as you do that this week we love you see you next sunday
7: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.